Like to have everybody's attention for a moment. There's a stat. I don't like bringing up stats, but there's one stat about the Panthers. He's in the world is James Harden better score than Michael Jordan. No, he's a more creative in that. He's, Traveling he, is not creative, he Brandon. Does, he <laughs> you know, no matter what the score is, and they've said it themselves, whether they're up 10, down 10, down 20, whatever, they know they can turn it on whenever. Why did you have to bring up the Cowboys in this conversation? <laughs> Lived in Texas for two years and just could not stand to watch Cowboys football. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, listen up, listen up. Welcome to The Rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson. And welcome back to The Rundown. I am your host, uh, Desmond Johnson, joined by a good friend of the program, Kevin Avery from The Four Man Rush. And uh, Kev, I knew I had to have you on uh, when the draft was over uh, after the Panthers did what they did over the course of three days with this 2020 draft. Um, I wanted to start off with our number one pick, the seventh pick overall, uh, the defensive tackle out of Auburn, Derek Brown. We have been rumored pretty much attached to him for months. Uh, it, it seemed like it kind of came down between him and Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons for who we might pick um, in that pick. Uh, Kev, do you think it's a good pick, or should the Panthers have picked someone else at uh, pick number seven? Well, I think it was an excellent pick to get Derrick Brown, um, even if I take my bias aside. And I have to say that because I've been on the Derrick Brown train since, like, early November. Um, you know, so – you know, when you look at what was of all the ugliness of the Panthers 2019 season, I think the ugliest was our run defense. Uh, we were 31st uh, in the league. Um, with that, we was getting up 148 yards a game. We were giving up 5.4 yards per carry, which was the worst in 20 years. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be a great talent. Uh, but I like the explanation that both Matt Rule and Marty Herney gave. You know, with Isaiah Simmons, he's a team with his flexibility that that a a more veteran team, you know, could use him more right away. Uh, Derek um, Brown actually was best player available and fits a need. And um, they want to build a defense from the front to the back instead of back to the front. So um, that pretty much coincides with uh, what we have been seeing with the four man rush. So we all thought it was a. Uh, the right decision to get Derrick Brown, um, especially with his position flexibility, um, his ability to dominate, the fact that double teams and sometimes triple teams don't even impact his um, ability to still make plays. Um, and, and he's still growing. You know, when, when you go back and watch him from year to year, you see him just get better and better every year. So um, I think he was the right choice for us at uh, number seven. I'm a, I'm pretty impressed with him from what I've seen. He seems really well put together in terms of mentally. Um, clearly, Coach Rule and uh, David Tepper and Marty Herney have made a point to bring in uh, either guys that know Coach Rule's system or or quality character type guys to kind of rebuild the program around. And, and for me, being a fan since the, the inception in '95, I can't really remember even when they would bring in a new coach like Ron Rivera or, or, or George Seifert or whoever, I don't remember just a total cleaning of house, like the way they've kind of done it, you know, with this roster, uh, whether it was Keekley's retirement or cutting cam or, you know, just kind of getting rid of Eric Reed. I mean, they, they basically got rid of most of the stalwarts of the past couple of years for this team. And especially on defense at first glance, I'm like, man, there's like nobody back from, from last year. And then like you just said, I mean, we were awful. <laughs> we were awful yeah. on defense last year. So it's not a bad thing that those guys aren't here anymore. 
Um, with uh, Kevin Avery from the Four Man Rush, uh, they are the authority when it comes to Carolina Panthers news and notes, uh, film study. These guys were on some of these uh, other candidates that we ended up drafting uh, in the late rounds, way before anybody else was, like months before. And I'll give Kev a chance to let you guys know where to get to their info uh, here uh, in just a bit. I wanted to move to the second round and talk about the second round selection that we drafted. We kind of double dipped. We'll end up going seven times defensive wise. And we'll talk about that in a second too. But uh, the tight, I mean, the defensive end from Penn State, uh, Yatur Gross Matos. A lot of people may not know about him, but I know you guys did over at the four man rush. Tell tell Panther fans a little bit about Gross Matos and do you think that he could develop into an early starter for this extremely young Carolina Panthers defense? Yeah, uh, Yatur Gross Matos was someone that. Actually, we had on our radar back as early as uh, December. Uh, I had actually posted some of our four-man rush chats online just to, you know, kind of let people know that, hey, you know, we, uh, we actually got somebody that we had actually been studying film on. Uh, but what we're getting here is a is a uh, football player that has, you know, abilities to affect both the run and the pass. Uh, he played three years. He was there from 2017 to 2019. Um, you know, you're talking six foot five, uh, 267 pounds, but he still has a frame that can that can, you know, be built upon while still maintaining his quickness and agility. Uh, the things that stick out beyond his stats and, you know, I'm, I'm not rushing off his stats. He had 111 tackles, uh, 36 and a half tackles for loss, uh, 18 sacks. Uh, but again, you just saw him get better year after year uh, with what he does. But as far as what his particular skill set does, um, he's someone that has a lot of gap discipline. He sets the edge very well. He has a lot of length with his arms that allows him to extend to be able to prevent, you know, offensive tackles or whoever's des designed to block him to, you know, get their leverage and move him out the way. Um, he, I seen him do like a, two or three different moves to disengage blockers that really stood out on film. So. You know, gap integrity is one of the things that led to our run defense being so atrocious last year. You know, guys just getting written all the way out the hole, five, six yards down the field, getting blocked. Um, you know, this is a guy that just has a hot motor. He fits the athletic profile that uh, Coach Rule said he wants. You know, guys that's got length, that's got speed, that's got quickness, that's got agility. So um, he's just a player that, that you know, has versatility as a 4-3 DN as a three, four outside linebacker and on, on, on blitzing downs, particularly third down, they even moved inside his three technique because his hands are very, are very polished as far as like being able to disengage blockers, as I mentioned a moment ago. So he, he offers a lot of things that we're looking for. Yeah. And, you know, I actually really like the pick too. I was hoping that uh, with all the moves that they've been making in the off season, I, I kind of hoped that they would go really deep defense wise in this draft. I didn't expect them to do what they ended up doing, <laughs> um, but, uh, but uh, I, I did like the pick and uh, kind of picturing uh, gross Matos along with uh, last year's number one selection, Brian Burns on the outside. Now you've got a, a defensive tackle combination uh, with Derek Brown, Kawan Short, Kawan Short coming back from injury reserve. Uh, the Panthers have been their best. If you look through their entire history, they've been their best when they have a, a tandem, a run-stopping tandem at the defensive tackle position where they're able to stop the run. Whenever teams, like you mentioned, whenever teams are able to gut us, it, it hurt my soul last year watching like that San Francisco game when they just literally just said, we're going to run the ball up your throat and you're not going to be able to stop it. And that kind of was the precursor for the remainder of the season and ultimately co cost 
Ron Rivera his job with Carolina. Um, even though I do find it funny that they switched to a three four at the urgency of uh, owner David Tepper, he was the one that wanted to switch to a three four, and they kind of switched uh, because of him, and it kind of blew up <laughs> in their faces in terms of uh, being able to cover anything last year. Um, on the line here with Kevin Avery from the Four Man Rush, I want to talk about the later round selections of the Panthers. As people know by now, uh, the Panthers used all seven of their selections on defense. They are the only team in the modern uh, day era, which started in 1967, to use all of their picks on defense. And um, I, I don't know, maybe it's the coronavirus thing. Maybe it's, you know, guys not being able to be, uh, you know, in front of these coaches and scouts like face to face like you normally would over a, a, a regular off season. But I feel like we kind of got some gems in terms of what we got. Guys, it seemed like they slipped a few rounds below where they normally would have been if they had gone through the regular process diamond in the rough. Who's the late round pick that has the best shot of starting for Carolina in 2020, in your opinion, out of the guys that we drafted third round and, uh, and further back. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, what uh, Herney and rule said is that they actually had in mind to, select a couple of offensive linemen and tight ends, but like two or three pitch before them. Um, those players that they had pegged, you know, based on how they valued them were selected. So it just turned out to be in defensive guys uh, as the backup plan. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much how that worked out to be. Uh, but as far as my personal assessment of which players are going to be uh, earning, you know, reps and getting uh, significant playing time, uh, first one that stands out in my mind is – Let's see, he's at third round or later. So uh, I'm going to go with Troy Pride, the cornerback out of Notre Dame. Uh, mm. You know, it's a homecoming from him. He's coming from Greer, South Carolina. Uh, now, I will I will be cautious when saying this, saying that uh, he displayed he on his film a lot of the Bradbury syndrome, meaning he would be in a position to make the play, but he got to turn his head around and actually <laughs> get his hands on the ball. But uh, he's faster than Bradbury, a little bit more athletic. Um, then Bradbury, quote, coming out of college. Um, here we're talking about a 4-4 guy. Um, you know, he has great length as well, can run stride for stride. He can be physical. Uh, but, yeah, he just got to work on his uh, ball hawking abilities. That's really the only thing about him. So uh, he would be the guy, if I had to pick one in the later rounds, that would be uh, someone to look to make a immediate impact in the starting lineup. I did a – I saw a story uh, Coach Rule was talking about uh, pride from uh, Notre Dame. And uh, he said he was doing a video conference with him uh, at his house and his wife was in the back cooking or something and overheard the conversation. And uh, once it was over, she poked her head out and was like, who was that? Who were you talking to? And uh, he, he told her who it was. And she was like, he sounded super professional, like really professional yep. put together, uh, real mature young man. And it, it goes along with what, you know, we were saying earlier, in this segment that the Panthers have made a, a conscious effort to bring in character guys, guys that they can really build around. I did like the fact that I'd also saw that um, Christian McCaffrey had reached out to, to Matt Rule to get Derek Brown's phone number immediately after they had drafted him. So you can kind of see the young guys kind of trying to build a core together. Uh, I, I don't know if any Panther fans out there are really expecting this Panther team to do a whole lot in terms of a lot of wins next year, but I, I like where they're going in terms of what they're trying to build from the inside out, identifying the guys they want to build around. Um, and I, I just, I kind of like what they're doing. Although at this point, 
every fan probably thinks their their team, you know, nailed the draft and uh, hit a home run. Um, everybody's zero and zero right now, so, so right. I kind of I'm trying to I'm trying to tamper my enthusiasm, but I really liked what they did in this draft. Uh, Kevin Avery from the Four Man Rush here with us on the rundown. Uh, real quick, Kev, before I let you go, um, in terms of the overall draft grade for the Panthers. Um, what would you say the four man rush would give or you? Uh, I don't want you to speak for the other members of the of the group. Um, what would you give the overall draft grade for the Panthers, knowing what they did, all defense, trade it back up um to get a player in the mid rounds, uh, drafted a, you know, some D line, drafted uh some secondary help. Uh it feels like all seven of the picks are gonna contribute in one way or another, uh, which was almost it feels almost like by design. So what would you give the overall draft grade for the Carolina Panthers for the 2020 draft? Um, overall, I would give the uh draft an A minus grade. And the reason being, you know, heading into the draft, if you looked at our roster, you know, what areas really stuck up stunk up the place? And you would have to say defensive line and the secondary. And you know, what it comes down to is we pretty much drafted three defensive um, linemen, and we drafted uh, four defensive backs. I mean, you know, we uh, we injected not only talent but youth and depth at key positions. Uh, so yeah, I would get that a uh, I would give that uh, a minus grade. I mean, draft picks like Bravon Roden is six. I know a lot of people think six rounders, you know, after the fourth round don't contribute much. Uh, he's gonna be one of my surprise players that I'm gonna uh, make sure I make people you know, aware of, particularly that deep. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people, because of his size, because he's 337, 6'1", uh, they got him paid as just strictly one technique. But uh, ourselves and Marty Herney end up saying that, hey, he can play three technique as well. So the fact that we got players that can play multiple positions along the line, uh, when we go to our 30 front, he's, he's likely going to be the nose uh, here when we do 30 front defenses. Uh, but you know, overall, the uh, even though even the seventh rounder, I, I had posted this in the four man rush. Uh, I was studying, watching a film last night. Um, Stanley, um, the cornerback we got out of FIU, uh, he's someone. Um, Thomas Oliver, uh, he's someone that reminded me of, of a combination of a Bre- of a Josh Norman and a Captain Mullen when they got drafted. Uh, he's only been playing cornerback for two years, but he sh- but you could tell that he used to play wide receiver. I mean. He recognizes routes extremely well and makes plays on the ball. He just got to get his body, you know, conditioned to cornerback nuances and things like that. So he's a good project player that we might not see develop two, possibly three years down the road. But when he does, he's going to be a solid contributor. Uh, but overall, yeah, I just really like the uh, I like the pieces that we added. I don't have no problems with it being all defense. I mean, we got the, when you're giving up 29 points a game, your defense needs to be addressed. Yeah, I could, I could, uh, I could, I could definitely see that. And, uh, seeing the stuff with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with, uh, with Roy and his size, he's not really a sack guy. He's really more of a run stopper. So I definitely could see the usage for him late. And, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's another guy that went late that didn't get a chance to benefit from, uh, going to, you know, the combine and all these other things. If I'm not mistaken, I don't believe he was invited. Uh, to that stuff. And, uh, you know, he right. played for coach Matt rule at Baylor. So he had an intimate, you know, look at what he could do. And uh, the, the scouts were all telling uh, the Panther stuff, Hey, this guy's really, really good. We need to take a look at him. And I think they expected him to be gone mid rounds, like, like third, fourth round. And he fell all the way to the sixth, just because I think just 
circumstances of the day where teams just didn't have normal access to some of these players that they normally would. And I, it feels like the Panthers kind of grabbed some guys in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round that should have went higher if they had went through the regular process. And right. uh, hopefully they kind of lucked out and, and got some talent. So I'm pretty happy with the um, with the draft, too. Uh, tell, tell the folks out there uh, watching the rundown right now where they can get to your content because you guys put out – even with everything going on right now, you guys put out a whole lot of content in terms of uh, Panther talk. Um, you guys put out something each week uh, for your show. Tell everybody where they can get to your content and uh, how to get to the four-man rush. Yeah, sure. First of all, you know the main place to get all, all of our social media accounts is go to thefourmanrush.com, and that's spelled T-H-E, the number four, man, M-A-N, rush, R-U-S-H.com. Uh, that'll lead you to our other social media sites like our Facebook account, which is our biggest so far, our YouTube, where you can get all of our video content, um, Instagram. Uh, every Tuesday night at 9.15, uh, we go Instagram live with Timmy VO to let our fans ask us questions. We call it our pregame. Um, you know, before we start recording our actual podcast at 10.15 every Tuesday night. Uh, also, go check us out on, uh, for those of us like in TikTok. Uh, now, podcast listeners out there, uh, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify. Um, you can also catch us on Podbean as well. Uh, you know, we just put out a lot of great content and a lot of ways for everybody to uh, take access to. Cool deal. Well, uh, hey, man, definitely want to bring you back on again soon. And uh, I'd already uh, pegged you to be a judge in our upcoming uh, NFL greatest team ever bracket, 64 teams, every Super Bowl winner ever, plus some uh, at-large teams. And uh, actually, the, the episode with me, Rod, and Brandon selecting the the four one seeds will be coming out a little bit later on this week. And then uh, we'll probably get everything rolling after that. So definitely happy back on for that as well. Um, get you out of here, my man. It's always good talking to you, especially talking some Panther talk. Finally, some sports that we can actually talk about. Uh, I hope you're doing well and still staying uh, staying healthy out here with all this nonsense going on. And um, I'll definitely talk to you again soon. Are you Tez? You too, Des. Take care. All right, now that's uh, Kevin Avery from the Four Man Rush. And welcome back to the rundown. Desmond Johnson here with you with some of the uh, the usual suspects. I've got Ryan Stone. He is a studio host from IMG Learfield Sports for App State. He also handles play-by-play for App State basketball as well. Then I also have Brandon Blakeney from WXII Sports on the line as well. And uh, guys, before we get into the rest of the NFL draft, there's some laundry I wanted to get out of the way here. Uh, just mentioning our sponsors, Body Pattern Fitness and Wellness here in Kernsville. They are doing online classes right now. You can actually see some of those at the Sports Carolina Monthly Facebook page. Uh, we typically post those. Sandra Vicente, the owner, uh, does online boxing and fitness classes while you're sitting at home on the couch. So definitely check them out if you're trying to get healthy and stay in shape. And then, of course, Blue Naples Pizza over in Kernsville as well off the of Union Cross Road. That's kind of my go-to spot for strombolis, cheesesteaks, wings, whatever you need. They've still got takeout regular hours available. Go by and tell them that you uh, heard about them on the rundown. Um, and the owner will probably give you a little bit off on your tickets. So definitely go check out Blue Naples Pizza in Kernersville. Fellas, um, I want to get right into it. Uh, the first thing, and I'm going to start off with you, Ryan. Uh, the first thing that popped in my head when I wanted to talk to both of you guys regarding uh, this draft 
is where Jalen Hurts landed in, uh, in Philadelphia, of all places. Now, over the past 24 hours, I have heard that the reason why Philly picked Jalen Hurts, they were high on him as well. But apparently the Patriots, who on this program, I've been hollering that the Patriots yep. should get Jalen Hurts. They were going to move. They were going to draft Jalen Hurts, and Philly swooped in and moved ahead of them to draft him, so that the Patriots could not receive him. Um, what are your thoughts on Philly making that move to go get Jalen Hurts, considering they just gave Carson Wentz a hundred million dollar contract? Now, I do think that most of his guaranteed money will will run its course over this next season. So, really, if things kind of play a certain way, Philly could probably get out of the contract with Wentz. But do you think it says a lot about what Philly thinks about Carson Wentz and his health going forward that they drafted a quarterback like Jalen Hurts that could, in theory, compete for that starting role here down the road um, with Doug Peterson being the quarterback type coach that he is? It it feels like a project. A lot of people are saying, oh, he might be just a backup. I think he might actually be the starter in Philly in a year or two. What are are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts to Philly? I think uh, I don't I don't know that their plan is to make him the starter, but I do think I've heard some people also say that they kind of view him in a Taysom Hill type role as well. So I can definitely see them also using him as an athlete. I think that's a little bit of a disservice to how good of a quarterback Jalen Hurts can be. Uh, but he could definitely make an impact in that way as well. Also, I mean, does anybody know who the backup quarterback was before this? In Philadelphia, no. because I, I can't Mm-mm. name him off the top of my head. Uh, so, I mean, obviously it shows the, the value of the, the backup quarterback uh, position as well uh, for the Eagles. And as you mentioned, with, uh, with Carson Wentz's health issues. Also, if you, give, if you give Hurts some opportunities here and there where you can show that he can make plays and make an impact, uh, then he maybe becomes uh, a big trade, trade piece somewhere down the line where you can bring something back if you're the Eagles. Yeah, I could I could see that too, and that thought crossed my mind. Uh, and I'm gonna let Brandon jump in here uh, on this topic as well. What were your thoughts, Brandon, when you you saw that Philly not only drafted Jalen Hurts, but they moved up to try uh, to get him, uh, knowing that I don't think Carson Wentz. I think he's only played 16 games in a season once, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he he's never played a full season other than that one time. Uh, the Super Bowl run was the Nick Foles show, basically. It was no longer even yeah. in Philly. Yeah. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts landing in Philly? And do you think that Carson Wentz should be looking over his shoulder uh, at this kid that, by all accounts, is a coach's son, bright kid, mm-hmm. uh, 30 touchdowns, 20 uh, – He what did he do? Um, he was the first player to have, uh, what was it, 30 touchdowns passing and 20 rushing or something like that in two different conferences or, or something, something along those like lines. That, yeah. Yeah, uh, he yeah. was offered the player of the year in SEC and the Big 12, uh, which I'm not sure has ever happened before. Uh, I've nice. raved about Jalen Hurts for <laughs> yeah. months on this program. So uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, Jalen Hurts to Philly? I like the move, honestly. Um, I, I was curious as to why that they moved up, but now that you had dropped that tidbit about the Patriots um, wanting to draft him, which would have been absolutely scary. I know we hadn't talked about that many times. But Hurts, I think the Eagles made a good move just because of the fact that you said Hurt or um, Wentz has had health issues in the past. A lot of the – pretty much, what, three out of the four seasons he's been in the league. Um, he hasn't had a full season in. They have paid him some money, but Hurts will be on a, um, you know – uh, rookie contract, so he won't cost him too much. I think you can incorporate some special packages in, in this offense specifically for for him to give Philly a different look, to give defenses a different look. If you know they do down on Wentz, 
Um, I like that Hertz is going to come in humble. And, you know, we've seen the Twitter reaction or interaction between the two. They, he's already embraced learning behind Carson Wentz. So I don't think Wentz will necessarily have to look over his shoulder. I think Hertz will take the opportunity to train, learn from a pro, and really just get adjusted in Philly, man. I think he'll be a very fav- fan favorite and a locker room favorite. What uh, what were you guys' thoughts on the presentation of the draft itself? Um, I personally liked it. I, I thought I, actually it was an improvement over what they normally do. Um, it felt more intimate, I guess. Um, they they can do this from now on. I, I don't care about it ever being in the city again. I, I mean. Some of the reactions with the, the families and the girlfriends. And, Why were yeah, so mean, many was girlfriends great. taking pills? Like, I yeah, was, man. I was going to get into Ooh. that, but, but C.D. Lamb is already shown that he has all pro hands. All pro <laughs> hands. And awareness. He, he snatched that phone so quick. Like, no, that's not the right phone. No, no. That's the bad phone. Don't touch it. Like, I mean, he, he did it so fast. I think between that and uh, my one of my favorite parts was Bill Belichick just kind of wandering in and out of the camera, like letting the dog do the picks or whatever. And it was the, the one. <laughs> yeah, it was like the first or second round pick they did. And it's like the dog is just sitting there. And all of a sudden, Belichick pops up, gives him a treat, kind of looks like, looks at the screen, just kind of wanders off like he's above yeah. all of it. It was gross. Like, oh, man, pretty good. <laughs> nice to see some humor from Bill Belichick for sure. Anytime we I've heard him. he's a really funny guy, actually. I've heard same, he's really funny same, behind the scenes. Same. So. I think my other, yeah. my, my other favorite one was uh, the offensive lineman the Titans picked in the first round, the girlfriend sitting on his lap. And you see, oh, mom mama was not having <laughs> Was it three games? The first one was like, all right, now. Second one was like, come on. Third one, I ain't yeah. Crazy. <laughs> she physically, she like it was not a like light. It was not a light like, all right, get up now. It was a uh, by the time no. she got her up, she was getting her up, like physically moving her out of that gym. That was one of those. That was one of those. Let's take a ride downtown, gentlemen. Type of yank her, yeah. her arm. Come on, we got to go. Get up out of here. Um, no, but real, back to the actual like meat of the draft itself. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the Dolphins and the Chargers neither had to move up to get the guys they wanted. A lot yeah. of people forget at this point last year it was all about tanking for Tua, and like yeah. we legit thought beginning of the NFL season that the Dolphins were trying to put the worst team in the history of the league out on the field. Uh, I think we did learn that, but a it's it's hard to tank in the NFL. We hear people talk about it all the time. That oh they're going to tank for this guy or tank for that guy, uh, but to be honest, I don't. It's hard to have fifty three professional NFL players suck on purpose, and and yeah. I think that's kind of what was taught here. And the reward, Miami, they didn't have to move up to get their guy. They end up getting their guy exactly where they were in the first round. Um, but because of this, with both uh, the the LA Chargers getting Justin Herbert and. Miami Dolphins getting to a tag of Aloha. That's two more spots that are potential starting positions that are now probably gone. So, of course, I'm thinking about my man Cam Newton, who's no longer a Carolina Panther, and his options are kind of drying up here, uh, especially with the news from this weekend that former overall number one pick and Heisman Trophy winner Jameis Winston mm-hmm. is going to sign a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Um, what, and I'll start with you again, Ryan. What are your thoughts on where – uh, what does this mean for Cam Newton? Because I'm looking around the league and I can't really find a place except for some places that on the outside don't make sense, like New England and some other spots. But what do you think all of this means now, now that the weekend's over for Cam Newton and his potential to to be a starter in 2020 anywhere in the league? So if you look, if you pay attention to Las Vegas, 
before the draft, Cam Newton's odds of going to of being a New England Patriot, they were plus, uh, I want to say plus 400 or something like that. Right. They have gone yeah, down right. since the draft. They have gone down to minus 190. That's a, that's a huge move. Mm. And it sounds extremely likely like that's where the landing spot is at least thought to, uh, to be for Cam Newton. I still don't know that it's, that it's necessarily the best fit in the world, but look, somebody has to play quarterback for the New England Patriots and their options are down at this point. It seems like the Jarrett Stidham, uh, Andy Dalton or Cam Newton. So huh. Cam Newton is certainly the, the best of those three <laughs> options. So I think it would make sense at this point for them to at least give Cam Newton a one-year deal. I, I can't, I, I can't sit here and fathom Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels like sitting at lunch or something talking about no. this and and them going, well, you know, I think Jared Sim can actually really do this. Blah 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 blah. I mean, I feel like their Belichick is like, can we put Cam Newton in this system and have it go? And I think. Josh McDaniels probably has half a playbook that he has not been able to use in the past four or five years since he came back to New England because he's had a 40-year-old, 40-plus-year-old quarterback running everything that can't run. He couldn't run when he's 24, so he's definitely going to run when he's 42. Mm. With Cam, I'm thinking back to when uh, McDaniels was the head coach of the Denver Broncos and had Tim Tebow. Like, Think about the offense they were running with Tim Tebow, even though they won't have that Tim Tebow weird throw in motion looks like he's yeah. throwing a chicken by its neck kind of thing going on <laughs> <laughs> but it would be cam newton doing that instead yeah. and they've got talent around them they drafted two tight ends in this draft it almost felt like the new england didn't pick a quarterback if i'm not mistaken in the no, draft they didn't. and it, it almost <laughs> felt like even though belichick did say and come to find out it was attached to the jalen hurts thing that that wasn't their plan their plan yeah. was to draft a quarterback um brandon i'll come to you it feels like maybe Jalen Hurts was going to be option A for the Patriots, and if that fell apart for whatever reason, they, they, they weren't they weren't going to trade up for him. If he, if he was there in the third where they had him graded, they were going to get him in the third. The the uh, the Eagles jumped in ahead of him, took that guy. So now they have to go to option B, and I'm curious if option B was Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and if you had to choose between those two, uh, to me the the choice is clear. If he's healthy, you're going to go get a former league MVP that's only 30 years old that you could play for at least a couple of years and maybe do like a prove it deal or something for a year or two, see if he can fit in their system, kind of coalesce to what Belichick wants from his players. Uh, what are your thoughts, Brandon? Cause um, I still have a spot in my head that I think he's going to eventually land up. I don't want to hear from you first. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, honestly, I like Jalen hurts to the Patriots. I thought that was going to be the move and I'm actually surprised that, they didn't um, maybe trade up to get him or explore it. But I think Cam Newton is the perfect fit for the Patriots system right now. He can expand this playbook. He's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. He's finally healthy. We're seeing a happy Cam Newton. He seems that he's passionate right now. I mean, the guy's working out the gospel music, so I'm definitely not sleeping. Yeah. That's, that's a little different in itself. That, that's a little different. So I'm just expecting a monster season. I think the Patriots have to work to get some weapons around them, some more weapons. But I think in this system with a natural athlete like Cam, dynamic athlete, big physical, still can make any throw you want him to make. Let's not pretend like this guy can't stay in the pocket, but he just doesn't have to be contained in the pocket he has options I like the fit they've got a good running back in Sonny Michelle they've got a good mm -hmm. offensive line probably the, that would be probably the best offensive line Cam Newton has ever stood behind since his days at Auburn no kidding no cap right yeah. there 
yeah, I that, really think facts. that if he went there, they could make it work, and he might mess around and get a Super Bowl. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it again, probably for the tenth time. I've been on this tip since maybe mm, 2019, maybe. Um, really, when we knew that Cam probably wasn't gonna be coming back to Carolina, wasn't definite yet. But especially after the Super Bowl, when things started to snowball a little bit, I finally started to hear it in national uh, sports talk radio over this weekend after the draft was over, where I started seeing people start to bring up this this uh, theory that I've been putting out there. And that was the best spot for Cam Newton, the way this, the landscape is right now, would be to go to Dallas and be the backup for Dak Prescott. Because it, for one thing, it gives leverage back to Jerry Jones uh, in terms of he's negotiating a long-term deal with Dak Prescott right now. Dak doesn't want to sign. Dak is threatening to sit out the virtual workouts or whatever that are about. I think they're supposed to start today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's, he's tagged, so they've got him for the year. But what happens if you bring Cam Newton in and you tell him, well, we're not bringing you in to be a backup. We're bringing you in to challenge Dak. You know, we want you to push him, to, to challenge him. And we're not saying he's the starter. We're not saying you're the starter, but we're going to let you guys go at it. Can you imagine Cam Newton in the Dallas Cowboy offense with the offensive line they have, with Zeke Elliott behind him, with Amari Cooper and now CeeDee Lamb on the outside, um, and the slot receiver, I forgot his name, uh, you know, you could have him in Michael there as well. Gallup. This is more talent. Yeah, yeah. Michael Gallup. This is more talent than Cam has ever had in Carolina in one stretch, except for maybe 2015. And even then, his wide receiver core wasn't that great. He just kind of made him look better. Um, I, I think he could do that. And then what happens is, say he doesn't really play that much. He's still going to be on TV every week because it's the Cowboys. They'll show him on the sideline, looking at a clipboard, doing this, doing that. So his name will still be out there. Uh, if Dak plays poorly because he's got the the pressure of uh, league MVP sitting behind him, you can throw Cam in there and immediately get rolling. Uh, and the Cowboys, people forget, they started having a lot of success last year when they started running RPO. Like when they started running RPO with Dak and Zeke, it made it hard to kind of figure out how to cover them. If Cam is healthy, imagine running RPO with Cam and Zeke. And, and now you've got a different – with the guy that's been running it his entire career, now it's a different beast. Dallas becomes a different thing. It's must see TV. Jerry Jones, come on, come on in here, Cam Newton. We'll sign you to a contract. You'll be on for a year, and then we'll see what happens after that. But you throw him $20 million to be the backup or whatnot in Dallas. Who's the backup in Dallas right now? Like, who's the, the backup have, quarterback? Cooper, Cooper Rush is the backup there, and they have actually been kind of high on him over the last couple of years. Who is he Cooper was, Rush? He was at Central Michigan. He's a guy that actually ran the kind of ran the RPO at Central Michigan, was a really good ah. college quarterback, and he's actually played he's actually played pretty well in the preseason. So I don't I don't know that they would bring Cam in just because they they seem to like Cooper Rush. And I mean, if you're if you're paying, I forget what Dak's price tag was on the tag, but. Uh, it was like over 28 the, million, something, something like that. Over 30, I think, actually. You're yeah, already, yeah. It's it's up there. You're already investing that kind of money in the quarterback position. So I just don't know that you're gonna throw a bunch of money to another backup quarterback if you're the Cowboys. But it is a fun thing it, to think it, about. And I, I mean think it, it it's Jerry Jones. It's Jerry Jones. <laughs> like Jerry loves the Cowboys to be in the headlines like daily. And like what would be better for Jerry? To, to get the leverage on Dak to sign the deal they want. If he if Dak really wants to be there, he'll sign a long-term deal if they do this. And then with Cam, it's a best of both worlds because you'll get a chance to play a little bit. You'll be in Cowboys uh, uniform. You're on every Sunday at 4 o'clock across the whole country. 
So uh, to me, it would be a good move. If he has to be a backup someplace, I'd be pushing for Dallas. Uh, but Honestly. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Honestly, though, I feel like we're also overlooking Jacksonville. I was about to say think, Jacksonville too. I think honestly, <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna go, if he if he if he goes and serves as a backup there, I think that's a path to become a starter quicker. Because I who's mean, the, he's not gonna be a backup. Right They're Gardner, going with the kid. Yeah, Gardner yeah, Gardner. Oh, Gardner. Gonna be the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, man, going down to Jacksonville. So yeah. I'm saying, honestly, there's not as much talent, but you know, if you're trying to be the face of a franchise, he could go down there and fill some seats. And Florida, you know, they they remember the name Cam Newton, so I'm sure he's still got mm-hmm. some fans down there. Well, there state taxes down there. How yeah, about if talking, so if we're talking about a backup role, how about we head to the west side of Florida and Tampa Bay? Hmm. Oh, behind Tom Brady. Behind Tom Brady for a year or two, you've got a that's, ton of weapons. That, you've got a ton that's of interesting. You. <laughs> I mean, that, that, if you're gonna be a backup, that that would make the most sense to me. But I see there's no playing Tom there. Like, I, I think Cam goes Brady's Tom, well, Tom Brady's 42. 43. My man is trying to play this season. There's no way Cam is trying to sit out two years. That's really what you, okay, I'll, I'll pose this question to the both of you then. Uh, real quick, what do you think the odds are Cam doesn't play at all in 2020 that he sits his year out? Like, I Randall think, Cunningham kind of went that route. He, he sat out a couple yeah. of years. I think he went and did construction or something. Came back, signed with the Vikings, had that super year, Randy Moss's rookie year. What do you do? You think that the uh, you think that's a possibility? Nah, honestly, I don't <laughs> see him being out of the league this year. <laughs> Just me personally, I, I don't see that. The, I, the odds are low. Well, right. as, as Brandon said, he's working out to gospel music, so he's he's working towards <laughs> he's working towards something. He, he's, he's working towards something. He is not working out to, uh, to build to build buildings or. or Cam Newton with whatever whatever his mate his favorite brand of clothing is, whether it's you know Gucci, yeah. Prado, whatever. I can't imagine, yeah. imagine him dressing to be a construction worker. Not unless it was for his <laughs> philanthropy. That's the only way I right. <laughs> Okay, so I want to stick with the quarterbacks here because the other big story that happened happened in the first round and it happened in Green Bay. Uh yeah. Green Bay drafting Jordan Love. When okay, so the pack the Packers were 13 and 3 last year. They were in the NFC championship game. They clearly needed just a little bit to get over the hump uh of the 49ers who, who are gonna be threatening again this year. They had a fantastic draft themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh and in the first round, there's this is a wide receiver loaded draft. They I mean <laughs> the deepest yes, wide receiver draft in history. <laughs> yes, Aaron Rodgers has Devontae <laughs> Adams all pro. He had uh the running backs in all pro, but they probably needed just a little bit more. And instead, what they do, they go and draft Jordan Love, who kind of became a darling of this draft in terms of like a quarterback that could get picked in the first round. Walk me through, and I'm going to start with you, Ryan. Walk me through Aaron (laughs) Rodgers watching this draft and all of a sudden seeing the Green Bay Packers selecting a quarterback after they just told him for weeks, yeah, we're going to get you some weapons. We're going to get you some weapons. Then, boom, we're drafting basically your replacement. Uh, You're 35 and – We've been through this before. You you were Jordan Love a decade ago, Brett Favre and all that stuff. Walk me through Aaron Rodgers' reaction to seeing Jordan Love get drafted at quarterback for the Packers in the first round. He had to be disappointed. I I, I don't I, I, even though he's already he's already reached out to Jordan Love evidently and they've had a conversation. So he he at least is a, taking a good approach to how he's handling that situation. But he had, I mean, you have to be disappointed if you're a Packers fan, if you're Aaron Rodgers 
to have, I, I want to say there were 21 wide receivers in this draft that had like <laughs> a sec, a first or second round grade, and you don't take uh, any of them? Yeah. Any of them? You could have even <laughs> taken James Prochet, who's going to be a steal in my opinion. He went in the sixth round, and you still don't take a wide receiver. The, the fact that you could go seven rounds in this draft and not take a wide receiver <laughs> to give Aaron Rodgers some kind of help. I didn't get to see Stephen A. Smith's reaction today, but I'm sure it was even more animated oh than mine is being right now for what, <laughs> for what the Packers did to uh, did to Aaron Rodgers or didn't do to uh, to help Aaron Rodgers. I, I do get why they took Jordan Love in that spot. I will say that because there's value in that pick with him falling to 26. Rodgers has had some injury issues in the past few years. You do have to draft. You do have to draft your successor eventually. They've gone down this road before with Aaron when they took Aaron Rodgers to back up Brett Favre. So they've had success mm-hmm. with that. So they, that's what they obviously believe in. But still, the fact that you don't give him any help <laughs> is nuts none, to me. none. <laughs> that, and, and that's really kind of my question. And Brandon, maybe you can uh, tag along on this part here because what does it say that the Packers did this? Like, does it mean? Are we reading too much into it? Was it just a, a matter of value falling into their lap and they just couldn't look past it? Because they did say a, a week, a couple of weeks prior that if a quarterback fell to them, that they would s- consider, you know, drafting a quarterback. It wasn't like he was just off the table. And this guy was considered the, I guess, the fourth best quarterback in the draft. So he did kind of fall to him. But again, the Packers were 13-3 and three last year. The Packers were in the NFC Championship game last year. They were a game away from the Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 35, but he's still playing it. He, he has uh, gone down a little bit in, in the past couple of years in terms of production. But as Ryan said, he's been hurt uh, off and on the past couple of years. Do you think it was more of a slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers that they did this, Brandon? Or do you think it was just a matter of a talent that was so highly rated on their board fell to them and they had no choice but to draft him? Well, I just want to say, first off, Jordan Love is a great talent. Um, I, I don't. I, I saw him a couple times covering Wake Forest the past couple years. Good player. He has versatility. Can run. He can throw it pretty well. I think he's going to come in and he really wants to learn behind Aaron Rodgers. And I think this is a good fit just because of the way that they run their offense and the mold that he comes into the league. Good size, and he's a smart kid. But I think. Yeah, for Aaron Rodgers though, and you you know when you when you were a kid, you ride with your parents, and you'd be like, "Can we stop and get some food?" You'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we're gonna stop, we're gonna stop." And then the round passes, and you're like, "There's a McDonald's." It's like, "No, we're gonna go, we're gonna wait a little bit." Another round passes, you're like, "Yeah, there's another man." And then another round goes, and you're just like, at a point, then you're home because you didn't have any McDonald's money, so. You, you played yourself. So, I'm so, traumatized by this. Like, <laughs> so I, th- I think I think it's I think it's a it's a type of thing oh. where it makes a man lose sleep. <laughs> I, I, honestly, Brandon like, um, having flashbacks when he was like eight, like, running around Rogers, in the car. Aaron Rodgers, man, he's got to feel disrespected. He he's got to feel disrespected. Um, I think it's ridiculous. They got to make a move in free agency. They got to do something for this man. This go is get outrageous. Go get Antonio Brown. Yeah, go get him. I mean, seriously, like, what's because this is really? outrageous. <laughs> well, he, you see, though, I mean, you, would you bring that, that? Would you bring that? Um, uh, that virus into the Green Bay locker room, really? I mean, I, I think, winning I, I think, cures all. I think the culture in Green Bay is good enough that it, it, he could probably it probably could sustain 
him. Uh, also, there's it's nothing cold there's up nothing, there. There's nothing to yeah, do. Yeah, there's nothing to do. So that might be the perfect place for Antonio Brown. Heck, heck even uh, I mean, is, is Terrell Owens still trying to play? Chad Johnson. Terrell Owens got to be what? Like, Johnson was working out again. Des Bryant. Any of them would be better than the second option on the Packers. Des Bryant would be good. <laughs> He's trying to be forty-five now too. Um, I got uh, Ryan Stone and Brandon Blakeney on the live with me, uh, and fellas, real quick, uh, your overall thoughts on the NFL draft. Who do you, what team stands out to you as the team that had the best draft out of all the thirty-two teams? And I'll start off with you, Ryan. Who do you think, off the top of your head, had the best? Man, I hate to say, and I hate to give the fan base any credit, but the Dallas Cowboys won this draft. In my opinion, they took they took three guys in the first three rounds that are starters uh, from day one. In my opinion, C.D. Lamb, Trevon Diggs, Neville Gallimore; those are all impact guys for the Cowboys. Uh, C.D. Lamb comes into a spot where he can be a slot receiver, or you could use him as a number two, whichever way you want to use him and Michael Gallup together. Uh, Neville Gallimore will help anchor that uh, that run uh, that run defense in the interior, and then Trevon Diggs. Uh, is a cornerback that uh, was pretty impressive during his time uh, in college, I believe at Alabama. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Cowboys – and Jerry Jones did this on a yacht. Not only did he <laughs> – not only did he have a great draft, he did it while he was sitting on his yacht. He I heard it was an expensive up. yacht too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had nobody there to stop him, and he didn't screw it up. <laughs> that was the running narrative going into it everybody twitter was going crazy like oh jerry's gonna be there by himself doing this i, I gotta watch it must see I, I mean i thought you know he hit a home run i you gotta take your hat off to him i thought he he absolutely hit a home run brandon uh who do you think uh out of the all the 32 teams was the one team that stands out to you that had the best draft uh weekend yeah a lot of teams definitely had good drafts productive drafts but what comes to mind Cincinnati Bengals. I think they won this draft, Des. Um, sorry to say it, man. Joe Burrow, best quarterback in the draft, hands down. I think he's going to be an immediate impact player. You get T. Higgins out of Clemson, who's a monster. Thought he was a steal. In my opinion, he's top three, top four receivers in this draft. It's a deep mm. receiver draft. He's immediate impact. They got the local guy, Akeem Davis Gaither out of App State. Tough linebacker, hard nose, covers a lot of ground, can come in, provide some depth. Um, I think they improved in a lot of positions, not only adding star power in necessary areas, especially if you if you bring back um, AJ Green to pair him with T. Higgins, John Ross. That's a that's a hell of a wide receiver trio. Then you still got Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon in the backfield. Got some linemen as well, you know, add to the defense. Um, I like what the Bengals do. Uh, you know, I know it's going to be considered a homer pick, but I'm I'm gonna go with the Carolina Panthers, <laughs> and and the reason why the reason why I'm going with the Carolina Panthers, uh, I I went and looked around like CBS Sports and ESPN, everybody else, everybody's giving them an A for what they did. Uh, if you don't know, uh, like we said, we had Kevin Avery on before you guys uh, from the Four Man Rush, and they are top notch in terms of uh, Panther tape. Uh, talk about what the team's doing internally they've got inside sources they were the ones that broke the luke keekley retirement thing to me about two hours before it actually happened um and they had pointed out a couple of guys like back in december january that the panthers ended up drafting and i think the panthers ended up benefiting from uh the coronavirus more than a lot of other teams because a lot of these guys they ended up drafting in the later rounds 
were actually graded higher than yeah. what they got them at. And I think a lot of that was because teams just couldn't see these players. Like they, they couldn't do the face-to-face interaction with them. They couldn't run them through individual drills or whatnot. So it really came down to who had the better scouting departments. And for as much flack as Marty Herney has taken over the years with contracts, the one thing he's always been good at uh, is draft picks, especially high round first round draft picks. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's drafted it like five or six guys in the first round for Carolina that have all become all pros at one point. Um, I, I love the Derek Brown pick. I know it's between kind of between him and Isaiah Simmons who ended up going to Arizona, but with Derek Brown, he he fit a need and he might be the best defensive player in this whole draft. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, I do because I can't get the images out of my head. But the Panthers' defense was getting gutted by like week four or five, and it just got worse and worse through the season last year where guys were just running up the middle for 20-yard gains. It was embarrassing. Uh, K.K. Short was on IR. We didn't really have another tackle. Now you can put Derek Brown and Kawan Short in the middle and actually have a foundation for stopping the run, which is what the Panthers typically are built on. Their second-round pick, uh, Yator Gross-Matos from uh, Penn State, the defensive end, Six five, huge dude, raw, but uh, he he's actually going to be, I think, on the other side of Brian Burns. And now you got a front four that can grow together. I don't expect a lot out of them this year, like five wins at the most. They'll be in some shootouts, but the defense is all first year, second year guys, free agent guys, guys that played under Matt Rule at Baylor and Temple and things like that. So I don't expect them to be, you know, good like this upcoming season. I think they'll be fun. But I don't think they'll be good on defense. It's going to take them a year or two in another draft. But the Panthers, first team in the modern-day era to draft all seven rounds defensive players. No one had ever done that before. And uh, the Panthers go out and land three defensive linemen and uh, some secondary guys. So I don't have a problem with anybody they picked. Uh, I really like the third-round pick, the safety, Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. Like He's going to be a beast in in this defense, I think. There was actually some talk uh, going into the first round that Chin may sneak into the bottom of the first round. So the fact that they mm-hmm. ended up getting him in the third round was uh, was definitely a steal for the uh, for the Panthers. I, I thought they they did a fantastic job as well. Um, I think they got four to five potential starters with those first I four to five picks. I mean, they, I think those were a lot of really good, really quality uh, defensive players. And it also speaks to how good the offenses are in the NFC South. The fact that they went. Oh with my God! <laughs> Man, I, and, and like I, I said earlier, they did address some issues. They did address yeah. some issues. Yeah. I mean, you got Jameis Winston moving to New Orleans for a year. Uh, they just upped uh, Tayshawn Hill for two years, so he'll still be that gadget guy. They still got Alvin Kamara. They still got Michael Thomas, who caught like 200 balls last year. It felt like Tampa Bay now with Tom Brady, Gronk signed with them. We'll see how that works out, but they had some pieces already. If Tom Brady can just avoid throwing 30 interceptions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are probably going to win 10 games. So at least, so you got that there. Carolina wasn't a slouch on offense. They, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is in the backfield. He's probably the best running back in the league today. You got Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore on the outside. Uh, I, I was really surprised that no one drafted Thaddeus Moss from LU. I'm hearing he was because he was too slow. But uh, and he did eventually sign with the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins did sign him, so he he'll be going to DC. But I kind of wanted the Panthers to draft him um, at tight end. But I think it says a lot that Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator for the Panthers, they didn't really push to sign him or to draft him for that matter in the late rounds when they could have. And uh, he ended up being undrafted by anybody. So I, I guess I'm just 
totally wrong <laughs> when it comes to draft evaluations <laughs> on players. But uh, final thoughts, guys, uh, on the NFL draft in terms of just the whole thing. Uh, three days of Roger Goodell in his basement, you know, kind of just dictating traffic, seeing coaches and families and stuff going on. We talked about it a little bit earlier about how, you know, Ryan, you said you'd like it to say like this forever. Um, final thoughts on the draft here as we uh, wrap this up. I well, liked yeah. it. I think that the Panthers did a lot. Um, I, I don't. I don't like that they didn't get any linebackers. So that was just one thing I, I, I noticed that should yeah. have been addressed. That was crazy. But um, I think the draft overall turned out a lot better. It was a lot glitchy than a lot of people thought. They didn't have a lot of technology issue technology issues that were going around with all those cameras and all the homes. And I think it was it made it feel a lot more human. Um, getting in and more intimate, getting to know families up close and more stories. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was it was great to see it like that this year because it uh, it, it just for one it, it gave you three days of stuff to actually watch in a time where there's nothing on TV to watch. Uh, and you know then we had the last dance last night, and you know today we're back to nothing to watch or no sports to watch right. anyway. Uh, so the last four <laughs> days have been great, but today sucks, and that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got to pick up the smile, the frowny emoji. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, but it was great. I, I, I really enjoyed the draft. I usually do not watch the whole thing on Saturday. But I will tell you, right. I have YouTube TV, and I did not know that YouTube TV even asks you whether you're still watching or not until Saturday. That's how long my TV was on the draft <laughs> on Saturday. I had no idea. It even I knew Netflix did that. But I had never seen my YouTube TV did that. I didn't, yeah, <laughs> so. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I was po- I was popping in and out of it. I made sure to watch the first round, so I wanted to see what Carolina was going to do, and then I kind of kept abreast of it uh, on Friday and Saturday. Um, I I liked it. I liked the whole format of it. I liked the 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 idea of seeing the coaches kind of. We kind of already see them in their war rooms a little bit in the original format, but taking away the whole stage, the guy walks up, shakes hands, that kind of thing, and the and the the fans booing, <laughs> like you know, because the, if, the, if the team picked somebody, usually I'm thinking of you, Philly. If they picked somebody and they didn't care for them, the fans in Radio City Music Hall would just boo to death. And how do you think that kid feels? He just got <laughs> drafted. It's the biggest life and he's getting booed out of radio city music hall because the team drafted him that was gone with this you just got a chance to see pure emotion from the players getting drafted a little bit of a lag you know in between them being selected and the player finding out and them getting it on the air but that's to be expected with everything going on i thought espn did a fantastic job uh with nfl network um to to put this together and give us a little bit of something over the weekend. And speaking of the last dance, I saved part three and four. I'm about to go <laughs> throw some ribs in the oven and watch that right now while I'm getting this together. But um, tell uh, tell everybody, you know, where to find you guys uh, right now. I know, Ryan, uh, your podcast is on hiatus as we talk right now. Yeah. But what's uh, anything new going on right there? Or are we just chilling until well, we get something to It'll be uh, – I may do something here in the next week or two, especially after we get more into the last dance and, uh, you know, see what, the, see what some of these NFL teams do after the, uh, after the draft, see what kind of moves uh, they make as well. Uh, but you can catch that, obviously, on fa- – you can find me on Facebook, Ryan Stone, or at, uh, at Ryan Stone Sports on, uh, on Twitter. And then, Brandon, you just dropped a new episode of Live with Brandon Blakeney, uh, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, great interview with Rusty LaRue for all my Last Dance fans. 
Um, Rusty was actually a rookie on the Chicago Bulls in 98 when mm. they won their last title before they broke up. And he was a part of the rebuild the next year as well when all those guys got shipped off. So great insight on and off the court. He's got some uh, great stories and uh, some wild stuff to tell. Um, I'll have another interview going into the last dance this week with another special guest. And we got some music artists as well. Had an up-and-coming rapper, Chris Meadows, talking for all the little Uzi fans out there. It's very similar. We'll have a country artist this week, so definitely check it out. Um, dropping Thursday on Sports Carolina Monthly as well as YouTube. And you can subscribe, Brandon Lee TV. All right. Sounds good, fellas. Uh, so that's our 2020 draft recap for the NFL. Uh, quick programming notes. Uh, we will have uh, the Rundown's NFL Greatest Team Ever bracket will be starting soon. Um, the episode where myself, Brandon, and Rod Funderburg pick the four number one seeds for the bracket uh, will be out later this week, probably Wednesday, I'm thinking, that will come out. Um, so definitely check for that. So for myself, for Ryan Stone, for Brandon Blakeney, this is The Rundown. We'll see you next time. Peace.